This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me free of the chains holding me. Is anybody out there hearing me? Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, Proclaim liberty to captives and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Glad to have you along. And before we get started, do you have one announcement I, for our Las Vegas Listeners, I will be in Las Vegas April 21st from 3 to 4 o'clock. I will be doing a live call-in show on KKVV 1060 AM, who is now broadcasting our show there. So if you live in Vegas, um, consider participating in that. There will be a live call-in show, so you can call in and answer questions and make comments. And I'll be talking, as I always do, about the hard issues about sexual sin and pornography and masturbation and what to do about them in the church and going rogue, which we need more than ever today. And so that's April 21st from 3 to 4. <clears throat> and then the next day, Friday, April 22nd at 9.30 a.m., I will be doing another half-hour live call-in show. So again, that's in Las Vegas, April 21st. 3 to 4 on KKVV, a live call-in show. would love to have you participate. And then April 22nd, Friday, the, the morning after at 9.30, another live call-in show. And if you want to meet when I'm there that weekend, or maybe if you want me to speak at your church there in, in Nevada somewhere, um, then contact us and let's talk about it. The contact information is the end of this Broadcast and the email address is email at blazinggrace.org. So today I'm going to talk to you, or I'm going to tell you the story of the, Hebr- the Hebrides Revival of 1950. The Hebrides Islands are a cluster of islands off the west coast of Scotland. And there's about a hundred of them in the island of Lewis is the largest island with the most population. And this I stumbled upon this story about a year ago, and it's just incredible, and it shows what the church can be and what can happen if we set everything else aside but prayer and what these people did and what they encountered and how God moved and changed hearts is, is really an incredible story. So, And a lot, there are a lot of parallels to what we see today. So what happened was around 1949-1950, the churches in the area started noticing that they didn't have any youth. They didn't have youth in their pews. And I think I've shared a couple times over the last six months or so I've been how we've been looking for a church here locally. And one thing I've noticed is there's a lot more gray hair than there is young hair. 
And I've been seeing that same trend. Plus, you've you've heard us have Greg Reed, and he's talked about how he sees 80% of youth leaving the church. So this is a very parallel situation. So what happened was there was a newspaper they had at the time called the Stornoway Gazette. And the, a group of churches got together, and they posted the following in the Stornoway Gazette. And I'm going to read this to you now, what they what they published, says the Presbytery of Lewis calls upon their faithful people in all congregations to take a serious view of the present divine displeasure that is manifested, not only in the chaotic chaotic conditions of international politics and domestic economics, boy, that sounds familiar, and morality, and that really sounds familiar, but also and especially in the lack of spiritual power in the church to realize that these things plainly indicate that the Most High God is displeased with our nation. We note especially the growing carelessness toward public worship in the church so that it tends to become an offense to God and the spreading abroad of the spirit of pleasure which has taken hold of the younger generation. So it appears with very few exceptions that God has been utterly dismissed from their thoughts. We affectionately plead with our people, especially the youth in the church, to take these matters to heart and to make serious inquiry as to what must be the end should there be no repentance. We call upon every individual as before God to examine his or her life. We hope we may be visited with the spirit of repentance and return again unto the Lord, whom we have so grieved with our iniquities and waywardness. We must warn the young people of the devil's man traps, the cinema and the public house. Cinema, movie theater, of course. Public house are talking about bars and dance halls. And this is, this is right where we are today with the things we're talking about here with um, our worship. We don't have a sense of fear of the Lord and reverence and awe. Um, sometimes it feels more like an entertainment or a rock concert. In fact, the guy I met with for lunch just yesterday said that the church he went to, their worship feels like a rock concert. And what they're seeing with the youth, I mean, this is this is very dangerous, and they realize that. And we should realize, too, that we're in very dangerous times. And so there were two women, Peggy and Christine Smith, sisters who were in the 80s, in their 80s, 84 and 82 years old. Peggy was blind and her sister Christine had, was riddled with arthritis. And because Peggy was blind, she wasn't able to go to church unless somebody helped her. And, but these women were prayer warriors off the charts. And they had a wonderful, close relationship with the Lord. And Peggy heard of these things that were going on, knew what the state of the church was. And one day as she's praying, she gets a vision from God, and she sees this picture of a church filled with youth. And she sees a picture of another minister, another, a man speaking from the pulpit that she did not know. And then God gave her Isaiah 44, 3, which says, For I will pour water upon him who is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. So Peggy called a minister in the island of Lewis and, and a guy named Mr. McSee, and and I'm going to quote to you what she said to him. 
She says, I'm sure, Mr. McSee, that you're longing to see God working. What about calling your office bearers together and suggest to them that you spend two nights a week waiting upon God and prayer? Mr. McSee, you've tried mission. You've tried special evangelist. But Mr. McSee, have you tried God? And you can also feel the almost feel the sting in those words. This, is, this guy's a minister in a church, and you know we see the same thing today, where we have revival meetings all over the place, and you know our man-made or man-attempted conferences and whatever. But we're not getting anywhere; we're getting worse. And so the question is, have we really tried God? And then what she suggested is that. On Tuesday night and Friday night from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m., her and Christine would pray. And at the same time, she challenged Mr. McSee to have people from their church pray. So 10 p.m. to 4 4 a.m., two nights a week. And so Mr. McSee, he took her up on that offer, and they began praying. And this went on for about six weeks. And then during one of the men's meetings, and they were praying in a barn, a young man rose and started to read from Psalm 24, which says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord. And then this guy he shuts his Bible and he looks at the others and he says, it just seems to me that this is all so much humbug to be praying as we are praying, to be waiting as we are waiting, if we ourselves are not rightly related to God. And he says, oh, my dear brethren, let's take this to heart. And then he lifted his eyes and prayed and he says, God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? And then he dropped face down on the ground in the straw and just started praying. And from that night on, an awareness of the presence of God started to grip the island of Lewis. And people started talking about this sense they had that, that this presence of God was starting to descend. And and then Peggy, Peggy Smith, the 84-year-old lady we talked about, the idea of writing a letter to a guy named Duncan Campbell comes to her. And Duncan Campbell was a well-known preacher on the mainland of Scotland. And she had McSee write Duncan Campbell a letter. And Campbell writes him back saying, hey, I can't come. I'm too busy. I've got a big convention on the mainland of Scotland. I can't come. And so McSee comes back and tells Peggy. And she says, Mr. McSee, that is what that man is saying, but God has said something else, and he will be here within a fortnight. <laughs> when I read that, I think that woman had some amazing faith. That was one, you know, she's got an, I would love to have sat down and talked with her. But, and then what happens is the convention that Campbell was committed to got canceled. So Duncan Campbell went to the Hebrides Islands, he went to the island of Lewis, and as he arrived, the church had sent an elder, an older guy, maybe in his 60s or 70s. And as, as Campbell's walking off the ferry, the man approaches Duncan and says, Excuse me, sir, but are, are you walking with God? Because 
they knew that there was a movement going and God's presence was there and holiness was key and they didn't want to mess around. And Duncan was shocked when he heard that. And he said, well, I don't know if I'm walking with God, but I can tell you that I fear him and I see humility in his response. But can you imagine walking into one of our modern church services and the greeter at the door says, excuse me, are you walking with God? I think you would offend a lot of people. Some might even turn turn and walk away. But I think we need to ask ourselves that question from time to time. Are you walking with God? Is he your first? Is he the source of your life? Are Are you playing games? And where are you with holiness? And holiness was a big deal here. And, and these people in the Hebrides Islands knew that. There was just no playing games, with, playing games with God at that point. So the man took Duncan to a church at 9 o'clock at night. And he asked Uncle Duncan, would you please speak and give a message? And Campbell thought he was going to be able to rest that night. But he said, sure. So they get to the church around 9 and... There were around 300 people there, and then Duncan finished his message. Well, around 11 o'clock, um, a young guy walks up to Duncan. He says, nothing is broken out tonight, but God is hovering over us. He's hovering over us. Leave it be, and he'll break through at any moment. And Duncan didn't sense anything at that point, but later he would write, here is a man much nearer to God than I was. Oh, he knew the secrets. And the way we get near to God is with passionate, fervent prayer like these people have been doing for the better part of two months now. Then that young man all of a sudden prayed and he said, Oh God, you made a promise to pour water on the thirsty and floods upon the dry ground and you're not doing it. And then he dropped to the floor in five minutes of prayer and then they opened the church doors to leave (laughs) and there were 700 people standing outside the door, waiting to get in. This is, by now, it's midnight. And they flood into the church, and there were a ton of youth there. And what had happened was that there had been a dance going on in a a dance hall, and all of a sudden the youth just got hit with this sense of a terror of their eternal destiny. And, And I'll read to you what Campbell wrote. He wrote, There was a dance in progress at a dance hall that night in the parish. And when this young man was praying in the aisle, that prayer that I mentioned to you a moment ago, the power of God descended into that hall and the young people, over a hundred of them, fled from the dance as those fleeing from a plague and they made for the church. Plus there were others who came from other parts of the village. So, And he says, I endeavored to get up into the pulpit. I found the way blocked with young people who'd been at the dance. When I went into the pulpit, I found a young woman, a graduate of university, who had been at the dance, and now she's lying on the floor of the pulpit, and she's crying out, is there nothing for me? Is there nothing for me? Is there nothing for me? God was at work, and the old lady's vision, he's referring to Peggy, is now actual and real. We have a church crowded with young people as well as old 700 people at midnight ran to the church who had never been before. And a lot of them came to Christ. And there was a sense of the terror of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the fear of their eternal destiny. It was just the presence of the Lord was there in power and conviction. And, and then they, the meeting closed at 4 a.m. 
And then somebody rushed up to Duncan and said, hey, there are another three people crowded in front of the police station who want somebody to speak to them. And the police station was right next to Peggy and Christine's cottage. So Duncan ran over there, spoke to them again, ministered to them. More came to Christ. And, and I'll, I'll read you another statement from Duncan where he talks about what he went through in the, in the following weeks and months. He said, I can remember once within 24 hours addressing eight meetings, crowded churches five times, twice in the field, once down at the shore where men would come across a lot, old men, and they were sober that night. So many of them found a Savior that we followed them to a shore, and there we sang the songs of Zion at two in the morning before we left for their homes. This just boggles my mind. And you know, I, when I read this story, I thought, how much money and time do we spend on doing all of our meetings during the week, but they don't have a fraction of the spiritual power that the Hebrides Islands had because they devoted themselves to fervent prayer. And Peggy, a little while later, Peggy approaches Duncan and she says, I feel led to ask you to go to a particular item. And she said, there are mighty sinners there that need salvation. And Duncan didn't want to go because these people had been opposing him. And it was the only opposition Duncan got was from like one or two churches. He wasn't getting opposition from the secular world. He got opposition from one or two churches, which just blows my mind. And then Duncan said to her, you know, I have no meetings to go there. There are men there that are bitterly opposing me, and I don't suppose I can get a place to hold a meeting. And then she looked at Duncan, and she said, Mr. Campbell, if you were as near to God as you ought to be, he would reveal his secrets to you also. I love this woman. I feel convicted just reading that. Um, and I love prayer, and I spend a lot of time at prayer, but how many of us really have a relationship with the Lord like that? We're really walking with him in intimacy and love, and we can say that we're walking with him. That should be a question we're asking ourselves every day, and we don't get asked that question enough in church or challenged with it. So Duncan took that as a rebuke from a general. <laughs> so basically, Peggy and Christine are, are really leading the, mo- the movement, these women who are prayer warriors. It's not the pastors. I mean, even though they're shepherds who are taking in, you know, the they're doing the harvesting, it's the prayer warriors who are making the big difference. And then, so he goes there, he goes to the island. Sure enough, 400 people there. And more led to Christ, and some of those were even end up being pastors and preachers, and so just just more incredible work of the Lord. And and what they often saw is people like that young woman who was just crying out to God. People would be crying out for mercy on, on the side of the road. God, please have mercy on me. Please have mercy on me. And instead of comforting him, what they would do is just leave them there until God had totally broken through in their heart. So Duncan writes. Leave them there. Let God be with them. Through that, I feel, dear dear people, that we take things out of the hand of God by our counsel. Oh, that we might get to the place where with implicit confidence in God, we would leave the work to him. Absolute trust that God was big enough 
to get through, to break through people's hearts, to lead them to salvation, and that happened that happened all over the islands. And Duncan originally thought he was staying for 10 days, and he ended up staying for two years. <laughs> and you can Google Hebrides Revival and Duncan Campbell, and you'll see this story, and and people have, who have been there have, have talked about it. And, and the whole thing, the whole key to the whole thing was prayer meetings. That's it. Not some guy giving sermons, not a verse-by-verse Bible study, certainly not a rock band. It's all prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer and saw amazing miracles. And I'll read another quote from Duncan where he wrote, You see in Lewis and in the Highland generally, they would no more believe that you were a Christian than they would believe that the devil was a Christian if you don't attend the prayer meetings. I agree with them. When a soul is born again, suddenly there is created a hunger to be among the praying people of God. The prayer meetings become crowded. You couldn't find a parish in Lewis today that doesn't have five prayer meetings going on. It was stated in the midst of the Hebrides revival, there are more people attending the prayer meetings now than attend public worship on a communion Sunday. What has happened to prayer in the church? When is the last time you attended a prayer meeting? Why is... A lot of people talk about prayer being vacated from the schools. Well, it's been vacated from a lot of churches, too. I'll read a quote from Francis Chan in his book, Letters to the Church. He writes, Years ago, my friend from India drove me to a speaking engagement in Dallas. And when he heard the music and saw the lights, he said, You Americans are funny. You won't show up unless there's a good speaker or a band. In India, people get excited just to pray. He proceeded to tell me how believers back home in India love communion and how they flock to simple prayer meetings. I imagine God looking down on the earth and seeing people on one side gathered expectantly whenever a prayer meeting was happening. Meanwhile, on the other side in the U.S., people show up only for the most talented speaker in the atmosphere and the rock band. It's embarrassing. And then he quotes, Francis Chan quotes, a guy named David Platt who says, I am struck by a reliance upon having just the right speaker and just the right musician who can attract the most people to a worship service. And tragically, I mean, the few few times we have like a worship and prayer church, service in church, why is it we can't just have a simple prayer meeting? Why do we have to have the rock band in there too? And I really question if that's because they think people aren't going to show up unless they have the worship band and they're too afraid of being uncomfortable in silence and prayer. Last Wednesday and Thursday, I went alone to have time alone with, with the Lord in the desert. And I do this once every three or four months. And every time I devote that time to the Lord, it's always just wonderful how I encounter him how I hear his voice, how he ministers to my soul. Sometimes he brings conviction, but there is nothing like the power of prayer. And I will read to you now a couple passages from Luke. This is just in the first several chapters from Luke 4 and 6. And remember that before this, Jesus got his training for missionary by 40 days alone in the desert, basically 40 days alone in prayer with God. So I'm going to read Luke 4:42. And when it was day, Jesus departed and went to a desolate place, 
alone in prayer with God. Luke five fifteen to 16 But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him to be healed of their infirmities. But Jesus would withdraw to desolate places, places and pray. Luke six twelve. In these days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. All night prayer. That is the example God gave us. Why are we not doing this? I challenge you to take your prayer life to the next level. Some of you, I know, don't even have much of a prayer life, and you think Sunday morning at church, God bless our services, prayer and church, you're wrong. I challenge every church to devote an entire service to nothing but prayer and to do that for at least six weeks and see what happens. I believe we'll see more miracles and change with six weeks of prayer meetings than we will with a year's worth of our modern worship services. So thank you for joining me, and I, I, I believe this completely, that if we devote ourselves to prayer like they did in 1950, we will see amazing changes. Thank you. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.